Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The content of this week's show is pretty obvious to everybody. Out goes the Canio, in comes Ball for now. We'll discuss who may be coming in. And we have a win to talk about. That's right, a win. Gives the mighty Peterborough, but it's still a win's a win. We had a win against MK Dons to talk about. Exactly. Well, I know, but this one felt a little bit better. I'm joined by Gary Foster from the Shaler's Gazette, and I'm joined by Craig Clark from the Rock Report. Um, Craig's sort of hogging this a little bit now. It's about the third time he's been on in about six weeks. But I know he was, <laughs> I know he was down at the Hawthorne, so I'd start with you straight away, Craig. I want to know what the body language was like. Um, at the Hawthorns it's been getting progressively worse week by week did you notice anything even worse like did you notice a deterioration again on Saturday um, I mean in amongst the sort of dreadful performance um, I don't think the uh, the body language was even that noticeable I, I suppose in a sense they all just looked like defeated men mm-hmm. um, at the end of the game a couple of players did sort of come over and try and applaud the support which resulted in the kind of mixed reaction Di Canio got um, there was a lot of booing and I suppose it was warranted um, Kieran Westwood in particular just seemed to start slumped in his goal like, a, mm. like I, I, I don't know it's hard to explain it. they just looked beaten mm-hmm. they looked fin- kind of finished five games in that's not a good place to be Gareth somebody said as well about um, Westwood is that Myhill came over to uh, console him while De Canio was doing his whole thing that keep your chin up and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing um, so that's pretty poor really when when you look at it and maybe it goes to uh, highlight what went on in the dressing room afterwards and then obviously at the training ground on, on Sunday morning Was this for you specifically Gareth because you know we were just on it a couple of weeks ago and we were talking and you were saying that Oh, people will come. You you will complain, and people complain, and about Tacanio's methods, saying that no, you know, no, like no. Well, dude, I'm just you know, you 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 <laughs> you're making the point that people, somebody's come in and done a little bit different, and then people will say, no, you can't do that to footballers and stuff. But more than anybody, I think your attitudes turn around pretty quickly. Uh, well, I don't know if that's entirely fair. Trying to stitch us up. I'm not trying to stitch you up. No, what was that's there for the, no, it's there for all to no, say. No, it is. Well, it's there for. 10 people to listen to and then 5 <laughs> people to re-listen to it um, so <clears throat> my opinion was that people do things differently in order to get results and you know you try to do this thing differently to see if they got results the irony was that what was going on in the dressing room and on the training pitch was clearly a hell of a lot worse than I was seeing in front of the television cameras yep I agree with and you. And that, that 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 that's that's the worrying thing. Mm-hmm, Saying it. that John O'Shea is silly for making a mistake and that G Dong one bottled a header is entirely different to going in a dressing room and going, Lee Catamore, your fault for the third goal, having to go with Jack Arini hiking him off at half time without even giving him a chance to 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 
correct themselves. I mean, what kind of manager like it's this half time substitution thing? And I've highlighted that before. I've always had a problem with a lot of football decisions, and that's a one of them. That's another one of them, and that was again in evidence at the weekend. Um, let's take Jack Arini off at half time. Why? Like, why do you have to change it at half time every time? Give them a chance. You're telling me Jack Arini couldn't be better in the second half given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Of course he can. He's an Italian international. He's won the league in Italy two years in a row, playing for Juventus, one of the biggest clubs in the world. He comes to Sunderland, it's like, oh, you didn't play that well the first half. Off you go. Mm-hmm. Gary Gareth's mentioned there about what's gone on behind the scenes. It's, a, it's ironic in a way, isn't it? Because there's been this narrative that you know the players aren't happy with him, criticising them in public and the like. But like Gareth's just touched on now, I agree with him. I, I, I maintained at the time and I still maintain now that John O'Shea will not have been particularly bothered by his manager coming out and making everybody aware that he made a mistake but it's obviously been some stuff going on big time behind the scenes there's always stuff goes on behind the scenes with managers but people were making out like that wasn't happening and he was doing it all in public but he was, sounds like he was doing it in public and he doing it behind, behind closed doors as well Yeah, I, I think there's been a, um, a lot of bad feeling in the in the changing room and in the squad for well for a few weeks now I think it, you know it's easy to come out and see now what the problem was I mean not a lot of people were saying what the problem was when De Canio was still there I don't know if that's because they were frightened of upsetting him whether they were frightened of getting banned but now that he's gone everybody's sort of coming out and being an expert on ketchup gate you know and moving <laughs> the kettles and you know all this that and the other Lockers getting um, well yeah oh, I, uh, and <laughs> I think you know the last time I was lucky enough to to be on here, I did say that it that it would all end in tears, and it has. I didn't expect it to be this quick. Yeah. But you know, the story was always the Canio. You know, I I heard somebody say on the on, on the radio today. I think it was uh, Will Greenwood, the the England rugby yeah. international, and they were actually talking about the Canio, and he said. He said the thing is, you know, the best way to do it is to be a, to be a manager, is that when everything's going wrong you so you, you turn around and say look I'm the manager I'll sort it out it's down to me but when things are going great it's when you should be passing it on to your players obviously we didn't say that with the Canio because it wasn't going great this season but that's when you should be coming out and saying these are my lads these are doing it for me I know people are saying that these are highly paid individuals and they are and they lead a luxury lifestyle but slagging somebody off whatever their job is week in week out is not going to get the lads up for it. You know what I mean? If you went to work every day and your boss told you you weren't, you know, you were rubbish, and then he wants you to go out and do your job, and then when you come back and he tells you you're rubbish again, and then go out and do your job, it just doesn't. It doesn't motivate people. You know, you can only hit people with a stick so many times <coughs> before the stick breaks. It's a, yeah. it's the carrot and the stick, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and there was no carrot. It was just stick, stick, stick. I, th- I think a lot of it, though, still is is down to winning games because uh, you know I think. I bet the Swindon players don't don't feel you know strongly against the Canio because they were winning games. Um, the difference is Craig that he kept going on about how he lost five out of six games at Swindon first, and he said by the time the players you know got around to to my way of thinking, everything improved, and that might be true. But the Premier League's a bit unforgiving. You can't you haven't really got time to manoeuvre in the Premier League, and if things aren't working with all with, with respect to the league two sides league one sides you know it's it's more ruthless you, you're not going to get away with it you've also got more opportunity to sort of change personnel at that mm-hmm. level um i think when you look at a club's lower down there's players coming in and out continuously a lot of loan deals a lot of one-year contract 
It's not like that in the Premier League. I can remember when he had his bit about Bardsley after the Spurs game. That started setting alarm bells ringing for me because I thought at the time, and I did say it at the time, we don't need to hear this. We know he's done wrong and you need to tell him that, but you don't need to tell us that he's done wrong because we can say it ourselves. And yeah, it was only Phil Bardsley, but the you know it's then since been other players who were actually players that we want to do well here. And you just... You can't just say, right, well, we're going to get rid of all them and replace them and then replace them. He had his 14 signings, regardless of how much input he had in, uh, which ones came in. That isn't the point. We don't have the budget. He doesn't have the time to then say, right, well, I don't really like Cabral out of that bunch. He kept, I don't know, seemingly didn't get on very well with Jaggerini either. I mean, you know, you can't just say, right, well, we're going to get rid of them and bring in another three or four players. There isn't the scope to do that. He like needed, he did at yeah, we did that. I mean, that was one of the things that we were told about at Swindon was the player transfers, he, and it it looked High like turnover, the, yeah, it looked like the warning signs were there that that might happen, sort of every summer, and that is not part of whatever plan I think Ellis Short was looking to implement. So I think he would have been quite alarmed by that as much as the terrible results. Yeah, um, so on the on the subject of <clears throat> sort of coming out and criticising people in the press I think it's interesting that a lot of the players including Jack Reaney himself who was apparently one of the main instigators in getting him removed which is pretty surprising um, Craig Gardner um, last week all came out in the press and supported De Canio and maybe they were kind of in a roundabout way saying this is what you do this is how you do it you don't you don't go out and we don't like it so we're going to you know. maybe they were just scared sentences <laughs> to well, do anything else but they, well, what, <laughs> apparently Cabral answers a phone on the bus and gets you know Put in the reserves. I mean, the thing that surprised me with going back to Cabral is he bought this guy, or you know, Defante bought this guy, or whoever. We, we signed this guy, and he's like a brick outhouse. And he, for me, he did all right first game. And then all of a sudden, De Canio's coming out with he's not strong enough to play in midfield, so he plays David Vaughan and Seb Lawson, who couldn't fight the way to a wet paper bag. You know, it's it just. <laughs> It doesn't make sense, and not a lot of it did make yeah. sense. I think that was the biggest problem. Did he take his eye off the ball in a way that he, he this became like an obsession to him? The thing about turning the club, making the club professional, you know, rerouting everything, this revolution that he's just because when it comes down to the black and white of it all, um, and that's the work on the pitch. He was failing, and he wasn't adapting to it. Like Craig just said, you've got a squad to adapt to. We could have told him two years ago. He didn't have the players. If you're not going to play Lee Catamall, he didn't have the midfielders to play a midfield pair. Has he, has he, has he almost let this obsessive behaviour in, interrupt his own sort of development in a way? I, well, I think a lot of us, me included, and I think a lot, a lot of fans, bought into them. We're going to be ultra professional. These lads are going to be fitter than ever before. They're going to do this. They're, they're not going to get it all way. There's no player power. I'm the boss. Fair enough. If you get results, you can probably do that. Well, bearing in mind, you've got the likes, you know, you had Roy King come here, implemented stuff that he picked up at, you know, at Manchester United, Steve Bruce to a certain extent. You've got John O'Shea, who's won all, and Wes Brown, who's won all. You can't tell me these lads and have never been professional and never had the hairdryer and never had a bullet and, and, and never been stopped from doing this, that and the other. And the fact that he had to take it to the far end and make it all about how he was going to revolutionise everything, it's, it's just a step too far, or, or several steps too far, I think. Too, certainly too soon if you're going to do it. But the, the irony of it is, in, 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 in trying to create this ultra-professional football club, he's acted in an incredibly unprofessional manner. That's the, the, the way of it. Go about it, and 
you know that that almost could be uh, you know encapsulate Paolo Di Canio as the person he was I, I know some people are sort of getting well for me getting the wrong end of the sticks here it's only ketchup and they're getting paid God knows how much amount of money why can't they not just do without ketchup but it that's just the start, you know. You've got them taking and supposedly taking the kettles out of the hotel room so they can't have a cup of tea because tea's bad for you. And you've got them supposedly stopping them from drinking Coca Cola. And then he's got them doing urine and blood tests all the time so they can check what they're eating and what they're drinking. I mean, it's football. It's it, it's it's not a you know it's not a prison. You want them to go out there and express themselves. And I'm not saying that having a bit of ketchup on your chips is going to make you go out there and be a world beater, but rule after rule after rule after rule after rule. it stops being fun I know it's the job but it's got to be fun you've got to go out there and enjoy it I think that's entirely the point I think the bene- the benefits that you're going to get from removing the ketchup from a, in a physical perspective are going to completely outweigh the negatives you're going to get from a psychological perspective when you start taking everything away from people start telling people what they can and can't do micromanaging their existence basically as a player and you know, it's that as a mental effect on you as a professional. You know, like you say, like John O'Shea, it must have been bad if John O'Shea stands up and wants to go and tell, you know, the board that you got to get rid of this guy because I mean, yeah. there's a top, Seems to highlight that's a top extreme, professional extreme footballer extreme who's level, played at the highest level his entire career. He's played in the Champions League, he's played in the World Cup, he's played for Stoke Ferguson at Manchester United, and this is a guy who's gone listen. And no it, more. I think, and I think also what highlights the point is when when De Canio came in and when we started doing this fitness, fitness, fitness. O'Shea was one of the blokes that came mm. out and said, "We've got to buy into this. We've got to, we've got to do it. We've got to buy into this." It's obviously gone too far for him to turn around mm. and say, well, "Hang on a minute, no more." If he'd if he'd kept it going in, see, I talked about this. I did a, an article on Salou Sunderland, basically slagging him off in a. In a way, really, but it was it wasn't uh, it was calculated. It wasn't it was just, entirely it wasn't, fair. It wasn't actually. irrational. <laughs> the transitional period when he got he came out end of last season, before no points in this many games. Me eight points in seven games. Well done. So what are you going to do now? Or oh, what I'm going to do is change everything to something that doesn't work and get you one point from five games. Well, that, that, that's a good point because I was thinking about this um, today actually thinking that when he first came in he was kind of implying you know he, we beat Everton we beat Newcastle and then he was like oh my players were fantastic they were great they were like warriors out there but then by the time the Spurs game which Craig has mentioned he was almost changing to say right yeah, I've been soft um, yeah like I've, yeah. I've been so I've adapted to them yeah. now they're going to have to adapt to me individually and it's almost as if that was something as I mean he already was we talk about ego but he already had this kind of ego but if it was manageable I was all for it but like you just said there something has obviously clicked now why he's gone too far the other way and what he was doing last season was working to an extent and he's just he's he's changed he's gone too far look at the games we had in those seven games as well I mean the Villa game very disappointing I mean we had we weren't great at home to Southampton and uh, Stoke but at least we were organised and then the other games Chelsea, Newcastle, Everton and Tottenham they're sort of games that we've got coming up like those types of games tough games I just I, what he wants to do and now he's been sacked and he's sitting at home is get that press conference off YouTube and sit and watch it over and over again and then listen to himself and you know he always talks about how he analyses games and analyses you know what the weaknesses in opposition are and all that look at your own weaknesses 
you've said it yourself, eight points in seven games. Why change? Why change it so drastically? Because you think you're going to get better results, and when you're not getting better results, why not think, oh, sorry lads, I'll hold my hand up, let's draw a line under it, and let's go. I'm learning. Let's go back, and I bet you the players would have had a lot of respect if he'd done something like that. But he would probably see it as a sign of weakness. I or think. I think like results. That's the key point. I know it's only five games into the season, but like as much as people might like the idea of these ultra-rich footballers being disciplined and stuff, but <clears throat> there has to be some kind of result at the end of it. I don't want to see these high, albeit highly paid professional footballers, randomly disciplined and given all these strange mm. rules for it not to work yeah. what what benefit am I getting out of that as a supporter what benefit are the players getting out of that and what benefit is Paolo Di Canio getting out of well, that it makes the, no sense that's the bottom line Craig because you know I mentioned before the Fulham game as I, I thought you know I highlighted in my opinion how much that important that game was and I think you know people said I was maybe like over dramatising things a little bit but for me Gary it's just if you're going to come in and you're going to do this and like you've just said there John O'Shea said okay we're going to have to buy into this but you need to win games, like Craig just said. And had we won that Fulham game, I think it would have just, you know, people would have been able to tolerate the double shifts, the the strict dietary regime, and everything. And well, yeah, because if if you're getting results, then it's working. Yeah. But the difference was that it, it wasn't working, but there was no change. I mean, I think a lot of us slagged Martin O'Neill off for not having any plan B. Now, Decanio came out and said he had a plan A to Z, mm. but. Was it wasn't thing. working. It was the same plan. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the same plan. Eh? And, and the difference was, that you, you, I think you could have accepted if, if they were playing a lot better, and we just weren't getting the rub of the green, and they weren't getting that lucky break, and they weren't getting that goal, and it was just, it was nearly there. We were just, you know, just a little tweak here or there. It was, but it wasn't. It wasn't any different. You know, they weren't playing any, but the perform- performances weren't any better than what we'd seen before. The canning also. The revolution obviously wasn't working. Do you know well, what I mean? We were better last season under him than we were this season. Yeah. And that because he was like the organisation in in the team, and he had this season there was just no organisation whatsoever in what he was trying to do. Well, it's, it's interesting now that people sort of well, not everyone, but some people seem kind of quick to blame maybe the players rather than mm. De Canio. But I didn't really feel that that happened when O'Neill got sacked although the players must take a share of the blame there as well and it's interesting because without this 14 man overhaul O'Neill took probably an inferior group of players and had a much longer honeymoon period than Canio ever had two wins two draws it's that's a very short like mm-hmm kick after a new manager comes in I would say it's interesting what you're saying about people sort of blaming the players because it's an interesting point I've I've read a lot of people saying you know uh, the players have now stopped playing for three managers but I don't I mean Gareth were talking about this the other day I don't think that's the case at all I don't think O'Neill lost the dressing room I don't think Steve Bruce lost the dressing no, room no me neither I just think that was two managers who'd run out of ideas Gary De Canio lost the dressing room De Canio lost the dressing room but the biggest thing about De Canio was that he set this up He's come out to the fans and said, look what I've done to Bardsley. Mm-hmm. Look what I'm doing about getting them fit. Look what I'm doing about stopping them doing this, that and the other. These are all pampered. He set it up, you know, fans fans bought into it. Like, you know, they see, you know, they go to work seven days a week or six days a week and then spend the hard-earned coin following them all around the country to see abject performances. And the bloke's coming out and saying, right, no more. They might be getting 50 grand a week, but they're going to have to work with it. And it's music to a lot of fans' ears, you know, me included, when he said, oh, 
I'm going to do Bardsley because that's an inferior way to behave and what have you. Everybody bought into that. I think a lot of fans bought into that that sort of thing. He's not going to stand for any nonsense. It's about time somebody got hold mm. of these players. But what if it's not working? Then it's not working. And, and and it's you know people keep getting mixed up and saying oh you know it's only a part of the ketchup. It's not that. It's the culmination thing. It's the way everything's sort of building up and it. You know, it's one thing after another, after another, after another. And finally, the players have just said, right, no more. And as soon as one or two players in the dressing room mm. say no more, you're going to struggle then to turn it around. But when there's that many saying And especially no when you've got more, new players. Because it, the, the new players aren't exactly, you know, they're not going to disagree with the players, well, the senior players who are already at the club. Are they? It's nice to see, in a way, if something is going to come out of it and they, they acted in the way that they did, then, you know, that shows that there's some solidarity in the team. I think uh, you know, you, and that's a good thing. If Jack if Jackarini stood up to him because he's had a pop of Catamol or Larson or whoever, they've all stood up for each other because they've gone. That's you know, having a pop of Jackarini, you know, like having a pop of Catamol. I mean, how much Lee how must Lee Catamol have felt in that situation when you're just coming back, you've just got your way back in the manager's plan, and yes, he's done stupid stuff in the past off the pitch. Still a footballer, he's got himself back in there. And then he goes, you, your fault. Third goal, what What were you doing? Ironically, of course, he came on and prompted our best attack of the game. And then Fletcher got <laughs> injured. had a really positive yeah, influence. Yeah, yeah, and Fletcher got injured and then we didn't have any substitutions I, I, left. I think the players tried to highlight that point, or for me, tried to highlight that point on Tuesday night when the first goal went in. They all sort of yeah. ran together and celebrated together as if to sort of make the point of, he's gone now, we're, we're all in this together and we weren't before. You know, we weren't allowed to be... I think they were trying to sort of illustrate the point in their own way by mm-hmm. diving on each other and wanting to congratulate the, each other, showing, unity, trying yeah. to show fans and mm. the press and whoever else that you know there is some unity in there mm. in the dressing room. And at the end of the game as well, they made they made a real point. Um, a lot of the senior players, like Larson, Corbach, Garner, Westwood, um, people who've been here a while, made a real point of applauding the fans. They went to every every bit of the ground. And, and applauded and I think that was quite a nice moment I thought you know yeah mm-hmm. I think you could see in the faces on 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 Tuesday that you know the after, at the end of the game it was like it was like a cloud had been lifted off the shoulders you could see it the, mm-hmm. and in the game as well they played with a lot of freedom and it looked like people having fun playing mm-hmm. football and it, it was good to see and a big win Craig as well because I was one of the people before the game who said you know Right, you you've got to go out and show me tonight then that it was down to the manager because it's it would have been obvious to the players that this would have come out in the public that they've went you know they, they've kind of revolted in a way, um, so they had to go out and express themselves and even though Peterborough playing well the two divisions below so you should really make that a routine victory and they did to be fair yeah absolutely and uh, I think you contrast that with the MK Don's game <coughs> another team at that level. And although that was a arguably more exciting game, it was only more more exciting because they were utterly dreadful for seventy seventy five minutes. Then, you know, Wickham comes quick on fire, and it changes. Quick fire response. But uh, yeah, it was it was exactly what you expect from a game against the League One side. No matter how well they're playing, it was just professional. That they, they went out, they played the game, and it resulted in a couple of decent goals. And that's, that's what all, you that's, want to see. That's all we want: routine wins. Yeah. It's only the, the fourth win we've got to speak exactly about. Some things yeah. I, I, been I, doing this. I don't know where he was, where, where he was sitting, or how busy it was where he was sitting. But everyone around me were all looking at each other and going, "I've actually enjoyed it." 
like mm. <laughs> yeah yeah not, not so much next to me in the second <laughs> half strangely you always going to get them for, but the first, you know and it was nice you could see people going ah oh, that was nice to watch a, ga- a good game of football and it was and it, it was you know like you say controlled professional performance with a lot of quality in there all a lot of the players played I don't think a player had a bad game and the key in particular in the middle with Catamol could look like they could form a pretty good partnership. Um, similar players in some respects. Um, I think obviously one, I think a bit more craft. Key's got a bit more craft than Catamol, but Catamol can pass it around, mm. and you know, Key's got a bit of a nasty streak to him as well. And mm. um, I think Key and Catamol is one we've wanted to see for a while. But how much of this was down to the Kevin Ball influence guy? Because I think. Mainly, you know, primarily it's just down to the fact that players fail. You know, De Canio's not there. They played with freedom. It's, you know, it wouldn't be logical to think Kevin Ball's come in and changed anything, particularly in two games. But I thought his team selection was important because it could have been, he could have been quite tempted to play Barini, for example, play four four two. Think this is Peterborough. You know, we'll beat them if we just put a strong team out. He's got one eye on Sunday because Barini can't play. Surely. Yeah, I mean, for me. He- you know, he hasn't had that much time working with the players, um, so it's it's difficult to see just how much of an influence he's been able to be in that short space of time. But he was the one that decided to play Jatterini uh, in the hole. He was, he, you know, he was the one that saw that that would work rather than playing him out wide. And I think he he, he had one of his better games that we've Best seen him on the Sunland yeah. shirt. So. Key decision that one, Gareth, wasn't it? Because you yeah. just spoke about Jatterini a lot there. Now, this is somebody who has been, you know, average really on the left, um, possibly down to the system, because to be fair, when he plays for Italy, he looks inside, he's got Perlo there, he looks ahead of him, he's got Balotelli there, he's got an international <laughs> left back behind him, it's a bit different. So, you know, Kevin Balls looked at it and thought, you know, th- this lad's a player, we aren't getting the best out of him, how can I utilise him to get the best out of him? And it's mm. worked. Yeah, and uh, but he, he, you know, he, he did keep the inverted wingers, I mean, he played Larson wide left. Um, I thought in the first half, you know, Larson was really, really working. He really wanted to prove a point, and he, I thought he did really well. Um, and that's what you get from Larson. And it, 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 you know, points back to De Canio again. You know, how could you leave somebody like not even have Larson in your squad against West Bromwich Albion and put Barr on the bench, stuff like that? But you know, because he's, he's a proper professional, Larson, and whatever you think of him as a footballer, he'll, he'll always do. A job and played. He's played all sorts of different positions for Sunderland and played left. Did very well. Um, you know, I think we all wanted to see some form of three in the middle, Stephen. And <laughs> there we got a sort of version of that. Well, I said Jackarini in the middle could be an option from the start. Whichever way you do it, it just depends whether you go yeah. the four-three-three or the four-two-three. I, prefer, one, I, prefer, I don't I mind either. To be honest, I, I don't have the a four-two-three. I don't have a preference. I just <laughs> didn't want four-four-two. Mm-hmm. Anything apart from that. Well, I think Jackarini can play that kind of almost. In that game, he, against inferior opposition, he sort of had a, more of a free role. He roamed, but he seems to have like enough about him to maybe drop and make a three mm-hmm. if that's what's required. Yeah, um, which is another useful thing to have and in the John, squad. Johnson and Barini could play in that system up front as well. There's the two wider players coming in. I well, think we'll speak to Neil. Well, we was, we've already spoken to Neil, and you'll, you'll hear that later. But we did talk about um, Liverpool played uh, against Manchester United. They played three at the back with sort of wing backs. Um, Jaggerini getting in those Roman all over the place getting in those spaces behind their wing backs mm-hmm. I think that's <coughs> you know something I think he will get space he finds space doesn't he you could see that 
um, and he'll he'll drop in and move about and then again they do have Lucas in midfield who is excellent at cutting the ball out and he is a good ball winner and if you've got three centre-backs maybe if that is happening one of them just sticks with Jack Arini just as a potential yeah. counter-argument well, and then you can drag well, him yeah, out that, that's, you know you can drag yeah. him out and then that's you can useful, get people uh, in behind yeah, absolutely. we yeah. could have had a break in the fixture list Gary again couldn't we that hasn't felt for us this season we're talking about it again doesn't it I mean coming off the back of a Peterborough win it's a winnable game let, you know, let's be honest you know, we, we, we are capable of beating Liverpool um, but you, you would have just fancied something you know a mid-table side perhaps or, or would you or would you think they're going to rise you know they're going to rise to the occasion again somewhere like Liverpool it's difficult isn't it I mean you've got to play you've got to play these teams t- twice sometime in the league you know it, it, whenever you meet them it, it's going to be a difficult game but you know, Southampton managed to take points off them, mm. so you know it, it is doable. They, they're playing a lot better. They might help them they keep them on the toes more anyway. Might not have ball. He's not going to let that. You know, not going to let motivation levels drop anywhere. But he's not. But I mean, I, and I'm not. I'm not for one second saying that I don't think Kevin Ball should get the job. I'm not saying he's my first choice either. But I think if it was a mid-table team and and, and maybe we turned them over, then there would be this massive clamour for for Bali to get the job. Now, I think you know you've got to step aside from that and and take a look at the the, the wider picture and and the longer game as it were and and decide because they can't make another mistake. You know we all wanted I think well I'm presuming we all wanted Martin O'Neill. He was going to be the man. He, yep. he was he was sullen through and through and and all that sort of thing didn't work. De Canio was the man for the revolution. Didn't work. So they've got to get it right this time, especially. Given that they've done this director of football thing, you've got to get the right man in because if you you might only be five games in the season, but you can't then go and sack another manager. Mm. You've got to go, you've got to give the new guy time. So, how far in the season before you think, oh, this new guy's not working? They've got to get whoever they choose. It's got to be the right man this time. Is Kevin Ball a serious contender, Craig, for the job? I'd like to think he was because he. He seems to have come on a lot. Um, he knows how to set a team up. I think mm. Tuesday night proved that. From I don't watch a lot of the under-21s, if I'm honest, but from people who do, they said as much before that game and they were proved right. But you don't want a situation where we are sort of rock bottom mm. for him to come in. And if that continues, you don't want to see someone who's so well-loved at the club potentially put into a really difficult situation and his reputation could in some ways be tarnished by it. I'm not saying it would. A lot of fans would empathise but at the same time, like look what happened with Shearer taking Newcastle down. Do we really want to see mm. Kevin Ball put into that situation? And the thing is, Gareth as well, he's a bit of an enigma, you know, in the management aspect because, like Craig just said, he's been in the under twenty ones, but it's a different ball game managing the first team level. Now he might be great. None of us knows what goes on, you know. None of us know how he thinks about tactics. None of us sat down and had a discussion with him. But like Gary said, we don't want to go back in the same. We don't want to end up in the same boat again. So give him the job. Performances could lift. 15 games later you start to think oh this, this guy doesn't know how to change things it's too much of a risk isn't it um, I think the the main issue I'd have with, with Ball is that he hasn't really been involved with the first team yeah well exactly um, so no but that's what I'm saying the thing is it's a, it's a path like I, I could see Kevin Ball being a Sunderland manager in the future the problem is it's the pathway to getting there and the longer he stays at the club without being involved consistently with the first team in some capacity the harder it is going to be for him to come in as caretaker and then do well and then say right I've worked with the first team the lads know us there's a, there's a level of continuation in, in what you're doing but he's got his own ideas and he can hopefully change and turn results around 
a lot of people have been saying, well, he should be like I think Gary Bennett said on Total Sport last night. I, I, I like the sentiment, but I don't agree with it. Is about bringing him in as number two to a new manager. It's never going to happen because whoever comes in is going to want to bring their own staff. That's your problem there. It's not. You can't you, just well, you, you, trickle with somebody. Yeah, you can't dictate to the new guy, yeah. can you? Whoever it is. You've got to give him the tools that he wants. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of boys. I think he's a great bloke, and I think he's got the club at heart. But the new guy, whoever he is, comes in, has got to be allowed everything he wants to do the job. So if it doesn't go, you can at least say to the guy, well, look, we gave you every opportunity. You can't have a guy coming in and saying, well, look, they made me work with him. Or, yeah. look, I couldn't bring this guy who I've worked with before who knows me like the back of his hand. I haven't been allowed to bring him, so that's why we're not yeah. doing it. And whatever, the, whoever comes in has got to be given whatever he needs to do the job to the best of his ability. I think, I think there's not surely there's an opportunity for him to get involved in some capacity with the first team, but first team coach, yeah, and then you've got the connection between the yeah. club and its history and and what have you, and the new guy coming in, and it probably makes it easier for the new guy to sort of bed in if you've got somebody who's. They're at ground level who can sort of run him through things and see it's this probably it's probably um helped his cause this uh the the Canyon's departure in a way then because it's almost like what he's been doing at the club for the last ten years has gone unnoticed a little bit mm. um and maybe the, the the fact that he's he's been in been put in charge and everybody's seen that you know he, he put a team out he had them set up well and it's kind of just reminded us a little bit about him Craig hasn't it so I think everybody's now on on the sort of same wavelength where we're saying yeah, get him involved in the first team more you know pass pass on what he's made for the youth team to somebody else make a step up now well, potential manager in the future I, I would agree with that because I think in the past obviously he stepped in at the end of um, when McCarthy got sacked wasn't yeah. it yeah. Um, and I think this is a different Kevin Ball to that one I mean he, ha- he had no real chance then he, anyway he got five points with that team exactly that. Yeah. but I still think you can I think now, like you say, there's so much time passed, and like you can't, he has he's gone unnoticed. He's Denny's badges yeah. and things. And you think the there is there's something there, but does he maybe need for his own career possibly to go and manage somewhere yeah. himself? Because although we're talking about continuity and things, and some of the biggest clubs do do that, they usually have a philosophy, something that's there that's going to be continued. We don't have anything there to continue on from to begin with, mm-hmm. so. And look what happened the last time we're sort of promoted from within Ricky Sprazier. Mm. I'm not Bally's probably nothing like that, but he won a game, one of his first games four one, didn't he? Exactly, yeah. four one and and he's been he was he'd been a coach, first team coach of Man United. Yeah, and he had the credential, the coaching did credentials, didn't he? Yeah, but I think with <clears throat> with Ball maybe as well as an issue there is like maybe he just enjoys doing the under 21s maybe he likes that I don't I th- know I, th- I think he's come out and said he, won. he wants oh, the yeah. job and so in your way again, Kevin Ball. again I think that this this has probably helped him that it's probably reignited something inside him because he was kind of a little bit coy about it at first before the Peterborough game he was kind of implying he didn't want it and he wasn't interested in it all of a sudden one win it's probably the closest feeling you get mm. to being a player mm. and going out and winning the game as a player in the Premier League so you know this this might you know help him go on and and, and do something like mm-hmm. that. And something we'd all like to say, I think. Not a show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Got to do a Decanio witch hunt or whatever. Just interesting one of the points that Craig made there about there's no sort of set anything set in stone that we play right you know like say Barcelona and Arsenal and they play the same it doesn't matter what age group they play this interesting that Ball came in and changed it around completely from what he's probably been told to be doing at and under he, 21 no, he, he played the same system as he plays in the 21 well, four, two, three, so one. you know what I mean so the managers the managers of the team is letting him have a free reign with under 21 so you know why do these teams not? You know, like Something Arsenal play mm-hmm. from like probably under sevens the first team. Arsenal play the Arsenal way. Barcelona, and I'm not comparing Arsenal to Barcelona, but Barcelona have got this. Yeah. That was what we were supposedly aiming for with this yeah, revolution, yeah, and definitely. we were supposed to be going to have this legacy where. And yet, all this time, Ball, has yeah. been allowed to coach the way he coaches on Twitter, which is completely different. From from yeah. the way guys are playing in the first, so team. we all got faith in this in this system still, and the director of football and stuff, because it's yeah, easy to I say. Have. It's easy to say. I mean, I have as well, but it, I think again, a lot of people are sort of getting trigger happy with this and saying, well, things could have been different if De Canio signed Huddleston, for example, because he really, really wanted him. He isn't signing his own play. He's going to come out and use that as an excuse, isn't he? I'll be amazed. Well, if he didn't. that's a difficulty you've got, isn't it? The De Canio walks away and, and says, "These weren't my guys." Mm. You know, I know we all know that he, he supposedly supposed to have the final say on that, but I think he made a big deal even before the, the wheels started to come off. He made a big deal of not getting Huddleston. Huddleston was his his number one his target, mm-hmm. so to speak, and he, he didn't get him. And he made made a bit of a fuss about it then. And I'm sure once the dust settles and he comes out and as you say about how great Paolo is and how he saved the world <laughs> and what have you. <laughs> uh, that he'll be coming out and rewriting history again about you know these. Mm. I didn't want any of these players. They, they forced them on me. So, so people just got to keep their heads clear then. Well, with regards to Huddleston, I mean, when still are we any clearer as to why he didn't come? Did he? Did he? Maybe he didn't want to come. Who knows? Parts, exactly. Maybe he spoke yeah. to one of the lads. I mean, he was the only English player we were after. Maybe he's gone. Listen, don't bother. Mm. Now it's all coming out. I mean, you know, there must be mates. Yeah. From different levels, you know. Maybe, I mean, maybe people know. Well, um, he'll obviously support Danny Rose, won't he? Yeah. Well, there you, you know, go. To, yeah. You know, Johnson, I'm, I'm but it, what was interesting, another thing about Bali was I was watching on Twitter um, when he first sort of took over, and uh, what more that they've signed for Montingham. His dad was just appeared on Twitter apparently and said, "Oh, great, brilliant." Uh, the boys learned so much since joining Sunderland and working under Barley. I'm over the moon for the for the club and what have you. So he's obviously well thought of, you it's know. Great he's, to hear that. He's, mm-hmm. and, uh, he's obviously doing a good job with the, with the kids. Um, director of football again. Maybe there's nothing wrong with the system. Do we know enough about Defanti mm-hmm. and what he represents? I saw Duncan. Is it Duncan Jenkins on Twitter was saying, um, well, if you're going to go down the director of football route get someone with experience of doing it because mm-hmm. lest we forget this man is basically an agent mm-hmm. who's been converted because 
short trust. Short like the idea of him being able to mani- manipulate the market. I think, mm. didn't he? You know, no look, know where to go to look for cheap deals and all that stuff. And I haven't necessarily got a problem with that because I think Angeloni's got a lot to do with the player recruitment as well. Yeah. But it's just a case of when something like this happens, it's automatic. I think to start feeling a bit insecure yeah. about something. And I, I think we just all need to keep if we just keep our heads a bit. It's gonna, uh, it's gonna be important. The next guy understands his role. I think he's an unknown quantity as well. I think we don't know. We don't know a great deal about the guy. We don't know about his background and whatever. We know, obviously know he's an agent, but his footballing background and whatever and whatever. But a cheap shot as it may be, I'd rather have our director of football than the one up the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He probably applied for the job. <laughs> he probably wants to get back but, in the management. Has anyone got better credentials yeah. than the man who won it all? I mean, <laughs> we're going to speak about. But going back, to, can I just say going back yeah. to Bolly? Sorry, um, I'm just curious about <clears throat> how, like you were saying, he, Gary. Um, didn't have much time with the first team squad. How is it that those players were moving off the ball so freely in 24 hours? Like, I, this is the thing that baffles us sometimes about football and coaching. Is that just a mentality that you can instill into people yeah, where you just go out, you so. just go and say, you just go out and have fun rather than going. When, is, when the ball's here, you're there. When I think, the think Di Canio's methods was, was so regimental. I'm not just talking about Di Canio's yeah. because this movement off the ball mm-hmm. thing. We didn't even exactly move off the ball, no I think their, their strategies are so tr- regimental. Yeah, the trouble tr- with Martin O'Neill was it, it relied so much on other teams having a go at, at Sunderland first and then Sunderland breaking, which is great if you've got a team that's not very good that's coming at you and then mm-hmm. you keep taking the ball off them and hitting them on the break. But if you allow the likes of Man United and Arsenal and that to keep having to go at you for ninety minutes and hope you're going to nip to the, nip to the other end and get a one, you know it's 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 suicide football really, isn't it? So I I tell you what you mean about the the movement off the, the ball. It was great. It, wasn't it, it? It, well, it just it's something that you think is so easy and and, and seems so simple that to move it the space and to get it and give it and go and all and there's so many players that don't do it and not just at some they've been restricted by almost to the point of where I mean Gareth and I spoke about this other day almost to the point where the canyon was telling them what runs the can and can't make mm-hmm. off the ball that's where it seems but we're going to speak about potential managers mm. um, when we come back we're just going to listen now to an early conversation Gareth and I had with Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap and he gave us the Liverpool perspective of Sunday's game Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap on the line. Um, I suppose this game's a different proposition for you, Neil, than it perhaps was a week ago. Yes and no. It, it very much feels now like on Liverpool need to win in order not to have a season sort of tail away before it's really got going. That's my concern, really. Having started the season brilliantly with those three wins early, things felt good. You know, it felt very, very lively. Got went to Swansea, got a decent draw against decent opposition. But then it's, you know, Southampton are a decent side as well, but it's, you know, it's, it does feel like three points dropped. In a season where it feels a bit like anything's possible, the league's a bit mad in that it's already settled into quite a clear top ten. Yeah. But how that top ten ends up at the moment, you know, and, and no one's really impressed until Manchester City decimated Manchester United. So, yeah, you know, it, it does feel like a big game for us now. What about from the from our perspective? Because I, I suppose, you know, a week ago, Teams were probably looking at Sunderland, and we were kind of like sitting ducks to everybody. But you know, as with all with all clubs, when when a manager leaves and a new one comes in, things get refreshed a little bit. So does that is that something that concerns you? Uh, very much so. Not least because the talk of the fact that it's the players who've come out against the manager 
makes you know, and, and you're aware of that as supporters, and the nation's aware of that. And then they're playing on television on the you know on the Super Sunday game. They've got, to, they've got to stand up for themselves. They've got to really go in for everything. Got, you know, it's a massive game for those players, those individuals. Now, uh, they've got nowhere to hide at this stage. So I think that is going to be a, that's going to play a factor as well. You know, I'm expecting to see a Sunderland side that's that's on it and focused for 90 minutes. And I think that Liverpool, you know, may well have to play better than before you even look at the tactical aspect. They might have to play better than they had to do 10 days ago or something like that because those players have now got to really show something. Mm-hmm. And also from the perspective that if any any work Liverpool have done on Sunderland this season, looking at the Canio systems and the like, that's all out the window now, and it's you know it's very much a bit ambiguous now going into the game. Exactly. I mean, you know, you and I have spoken earlier, Steve, and you've said to me that you know you play much more of a four-two-three-one midweek. You'd expect something similar again, five across the middle, and awareness to fight for everything. See if you can get a set piece against this Liverpool side that's a bit wobbly. Rather than going at them, which is what I think the Canio side would have done, which would have left them open to what the, you know at the back end of last season at least was a very good Liverpool side on the counter. So I think you know it's it's concerning from a Liverpool perspective. I'm you know I'm I'm bullish enough to think that we'll get a win, but I just think we're going to have to work a hell of a lot harder for one. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's interesting, Gareth, isn't it? That you know we're sitting here ourselves. And even we, I mean, we, we've got a bit of an idea. You're going off the Peterborough game the other night, but we don't exactly know what what he's going to do ourselves. So it's kind of hard to predict what we're going to line up, what his strategy is going to be, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, we'll probably see Solutica come back, and uh, maybe um, I don't know. There might be a couple more changes. Uh, maybe it's centre half. Obviously, O'Shea's injured, so. I don't know. Um, like you say, it's just it's tough to tough to guess. But I, I, I noticed that Liverpool lined up um, uh, three five two. Was it against Manchester United? Um, am I correct? Yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was three four one two. Moses was very much floating between midfield and attack. Um, we actually played some of the best stuff we played all season. We just fell fell behind to a to a daft set piece goal immediately after half time. Uh, we were wobbly at times to a good transitional pass. United still haven't had that Ferguson knack of being very good at the pass before the pass that leads to the goal knocked out of them by Moyes. But give them a few more weeks, they'll manage that. But they were, you know they were able to, to utilise that space against Liverpool in the early going. That was you know with this new system. But as the game wore on in the first half, I thought Liverpool grew into it significantly and with a better side going into the break. Uh, they conceded a tough goal, and then you know from there United just sort of sat back and tried to hit them on the counter. But you know, interesting shape. We kept the ball a lot better than we've been keeping it in the, the, the early part of the season. The centre half seemed more comfortable with the base three of them, uh, certainly playing out from the back, and it just seemed to slightly coalesce into something a bit more significant. And certainly that's one against Southampton, where Liverpool looked very get-affable by a side that got on their face. Yeah, um, I, I guess that. Brendan Rodgers will have been preparing the system for a while because uh, you know the length of time Suarez has been out. He he, you, you're always going to include somebody like that back in your in your side uh, when, when he's available. But obviously Liverpool were playing very well in his absence, weren't they? So it, it, it's interesting, we, isn't it? Because um, he's, 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 I'm not going to say he's had to shoehorn him in, but it's 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 obviously something he's had to think about. And he put he, I'm, I'm guessing he's had weeks on the training ground to practice it. It's more than that, Steve. Last season we went to form second to last game of the season and for the first half Liverpool played to the at the back and at half time they were, they were one, it was 1-1 at half time and at half time Andre Wisdom went off and after the match when he was asked about it Brendan Rodgers said that was always the plan we were having a look at three at the back in a, in a, in a game scenario because we've been working on it in training 
So this has been, you know, I think this has been in the works at Anfield at the very least since last April. Um, so, you know, that, it, that, that we're playing, it doesn't come as an enormous surprise to me. Now, that's not even to say that we're playing against Sunderland. I don't know what shape we'll line up with against Sunderland. But the very fact that we kept the ball better, I think, means that it wouldn't surprise me if he does go to Sunderland with an eye on three at the back. All that said, though, I mean, I still couldn't tell you, bar, other than the spine of the side, exactly the person I looked at either. You know, I think it's too... It's quite an interesting football match, this, you know, in terms of discussion from preparation points of view, because... There's no clear idea how Sunderland are going to line up. I'm not entirely convinced what Liverpool's 11 should be, uh, nor what it is. And it's interesting that I don't know what it should be, and I don't know what it is. Normally, as a supporter, I certainly haven't watched this, this manager work now for over 12 months, and I haven't had three transfer windows. I don't have a bit of a first 11 in mind. But even now, not least because of the injuries, it's difficult to go. This will be the 11, or this should be the 11. Again, again, we've we've just we've just mentioned now then that it's a bit ambiguous all around in in, in that respect, but. You've you've all you've already touched on the point that you you see this is a harder game than it would have been maybe a week ago. Um, that said, you're still going to come up looking for a win because how we, how are your expectation levels now? Because Liverpool, you know, have dropped off a little bit recently, but the start they had of the season now that that must have people's eyes like that must have people now hoping for maybe a little bit better than originally expected. So you, you're going to be looking all out for a win, nothing less. I think so. I think it's going to be another one of those games where the first goal is going to be crucial. I think that this league this season, it looks more and more like that's going to be the case. The first goal is absolutely crucial. I think if Liverpool score it, I'd be very, very disappointed if they didn't go on to win the game. Um, you know, I think that Liverpool have shown a gnarliness and a desire this season. That was a time's lacking last season. That's the one thing I'm expecting. I'm expecting a, you know, a lot of season's heads on the pitch, a lot of sense from Liverpool if they go 1-0 up. It would disappoint me, as I say, to see them get to, to see that reverse. Um, you know, in a sense, the biggest disappointment so far has been that they got two one up at Swansea and didn't see it out. You know, despite the, the Southampton results, Liverpool were just very poor and were outplayed by a very good Southampton side. Whereas against Swansea, they got ahead, and that's what they've got to learn to do is to hang on in those situations. And that's what it looked like they had learned to do earlier in the season. So, you know, if, certainly if Liverpool score first, I'd be very, very disappointed if it's anything but three points. And you just mentioned that. that- Perhaps defending set pieces was a weakness. Is any other areas you might you might be particularly worried about? All season we've been we've been really and it's playing three at the back. Nothing will change on this. We've been really you know if I was writing something uh, scout manual, Liverpool have struggled with a decent switch. Um, when we were playing four at the back, Henderson was tucking in uh, on the right flank of midfield in order to do a lot of Lucas and Gerrard's running. Um, so what was happening was you know we were open if you down the left for a good quick ball to get someone into a fair bit of space and maybe get one on one or two on one with our full back. The other main issue that I'd be targeting if I was Sunderland would be that Liverpool have looked short of much fitness all season. Certainly in centre midfield, both Lucas and Gerrard have had alarming drop-offs after 60 minutes, and I mean alarming drop-offs in terms of energy after 60 minutes. Um, neither tends to be substituted though Lucas was the other night. Um, neither tends to get dragged off, for the main reason being they're both leaders on the pitch. So, you know, that's the thing I'd be looking at. If I was Sunderland and... Having said what I've said about Liverpool hanging on, if, if it's 1-0 with 20 to go, with 30 to go, then, you know, Sunderland aren't out of the game by any stretch of the imagination. And the one thing that I, that's come through uh, with the Zaccanio scenario is that supposedly Sunderland's players look very fit indeed. So mm. it wouldn't, you know, there could well be an upper hand. Yeah, well, I think that was the idea. I'm not sure that was <laughs> it was ever implemented mm. like Zaccanio promised it would be. But we do have an array of central midfielders anyway ready to come in. Not the greatest in midfielders, but we do have options from the bench now. Well, I'm interested now because, <clears throat> especially if if Liverpool do decide to to go with their um, the the three four, one two, 
as they did against Manchester United. I think it'll be really interesting because if we do go in with the four-two-three-one, which we probably will, um, that with um, sort of Larson playing from the left, um, even though he's right-footed, and uh, Johnson obviously down the right, they might get a lot of joy um, getting into those gaps that might appear in behind those sort of well, wing backs essentially. Um, but I mean, I'm a big advocate of three at the back. This is I, I was quite pleased to see Liverpool ple- pleased to see Liverpool play three at the back the other night because I think it's a bit of a a, a bit of a, a lost art. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you know a, a th- what is essentially a three a three four three for me is a really good formation and uh, it, it gives you lots of options defensively and going forward. So. I think it could be a good battle at the weekend, especially if we do play. If we do play the four-two-three-one, where with Catamol and Key spraying the ball about, because Catamol can spray the ball about surprisingly, um, he's he is underrated in the, in that in that sense. So I think I think it could be a really good game, especially how lively Jackarini looked in the week. Um, he, he just ran and ran and ran. He was like a, like a little boy in the park. I thought the way he played, he just looked like he enjoyed it so much. So. I'm really interested to see if we can exploit those potential gaps and behind those wing backs if we do if you do play in the uh the three four one two again. Is there anything that's frightening I, you there, Neil, or we're just kidding ourselves here? No, I think there's a lot I think there's there's obviously stuff to be concerned about. Sometimes I've got a bad squad of players, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination. They've made interesting signings, getting them to gel. It's also, you know, I think I think to be fair to the Canio. Um, a difficult sentence but one I'm going to go with I think that there's some managers going to football clubs and they try to do what they want to do um, and that's that's always a high that, 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 that's the high road I think and it can often you know go badly wrong last season under Rodgers first five games we only had one or two points I think we only had two points after five games we had some these difficult fixtures but it was because he was trying to play a very specific way and then he sort of decided he had to play a way that just simply, you know, well not simply, but that, that got the job done on a more regular basis. And I think that for managers, I think it takes a while to, if you're going to try and be attacking, if you're going to try and be aggressive, if you want to run a football match and you go into a club that's used to doing the act opposite, then I think it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to set that sort of stuff up. So it doesn't surprise me that someone started as badly as, as they have done if you're trying to change things significantly. Mm-hmm. The opposite of that, though, is that now the will play So I think that you know something can get at Liverpool. They have to be gone at this season. I think uh, the opposite of that, though, is that at some point I do expect Liverpool to click double forward as they did do at the back in the last season. And if Liverpool can get one or two up, then it wouldn't surprise me anywhere they go this season within reason them to quickly make it three or four. Certainly now that Suarez is back. Mm-hmm. I think the point you made there about Rodgers. Changing things and then adapting is interesting because that's what the Canio failed to do, Gareth, wasn't it? Well, he, he refused. He, he, he had something in his head. It's gonna, it's gonna go this way. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. And it was getting to a point. I think West Brom was a final straw for a lot of fans already. As stupid as that sounds, five games into the season, that you know, basically, that this wasn't gonna work. And if he was gonna be stubborn, it was almost like Martin O'Neill all over again, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I even I'd, I'd be, I think it'd be fair to say that Martin O'Neill was more flexible than Paolo Di Canio, though. Oh God, um, there's it, an indictment. He re, he was though, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know we'll talk about Di Canio on the show obviously tonight. But you know if if Di Canio was in charge, he'd be going four four two or four two four as he likes to call it. Um, he'd probably play Jackarini on the left hand side, which hasn't really worked. Um, and he you know. 
he, he just do the same thing and he you know his changes are never to change the game his changes were always to correct his poor team selection that he made at the start of the game and but he wouldn't change the formation he just changed the personnel um i'd be i'd be more worried um if decanio was in charge um for sunday's game than i am now with ball in charge um but uh i think it, interestingly i've sort of noticed liverpool have seemed a little bit goal shy actually um they haven't scored too many this season have they we're all about the second goal we need to get a second goal um so we need to go two goals ahead i think um last season we, we were excellent on the counter this season uh nowhere near as much and we're missing coutinho as well he, he, he does a fair amount for us uh, so you know it's it's interesting. I think that there's been a Liverpool should have scored two or three against Stoke. They probably deserve to go in on the balance and play two and up at half time against Aston Villa. But against Stoke at about 75, they dropped in. Against Aston Villa on about 50, they dropped in. Same period of time against Manchester United, haven't gone in one nil up. And then they didn't really know what to do against Swansea. They didn't really make a decision as to whether or not they were sitting or they were going uh, once they got two one up in that second half. And Swansea played very well. So there's not been the same sort of fluency in front of goal that we sort of expected at the back end of, by, the, by the time last season finished. I mean, Liverpool scored, this, scored a ludicrous number of goals in the second half of last season. Um, he scored 43 goals in the last 19 games, which is, you know, quite the return. This season, it's not like that at all yet. But I do think that's a matter of yet. Uh, Suarez looked interesting against Manchester United. I suspect he may well, uh, with, with that game under his belt, he might look sharper again. Um, I'm... I'm hopeful to see something from him in storage. I'd expect Liverpool to score two goals against Sunderland. The question is, therefore, how many how many Sunderland get? Luis Suarez likes going against us anyway, yeah, so we've got that to look forward to. So before <laughs> I let you go, can I get a prediction from you, Neil? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with an optimistic Sunderland one, Liverpool three. Right. Okay. It's familiar. <laughs> Conceding three goals. Yeah. Okay. Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap. Thank you for your time, Neil. Thanks, lads. Thanks. Cheers. That was Neil with his perspective there for the Sunderland game. If you want to go and listen to the Anfield rap, uh, I returned the favour and went on. So if you want to hear me talk gibberish, go and check, go and check that out. What minute uh, are you on? Sorry? What minute will you be on on the programme? I don't know, I didn't see it. Part two. No, Start part, part two. two, I think. Listen yeah. to part one of <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot more professionally run than this. Um, we are going to get back to the Liverpool game because we're going to finish with predictions like always. But like as I've just said there, before we listen to that, I, w- I want to know what people... If anybody has a strong opinion on the incoming manager, we've, we've established the Kevin Ball side of things. Has anybody got... A particular manager they have in mind now. I'd say a lot of blank faces. I know, I know, I don't want. Right. And that I, is I, I, um, the, the, the one who's going to get it. Well, they were, <laughs> bo- they, they were both me- they were both mentioned early doors, but thankfully it, it seems to be uh, a bit of a wide steer. Tony Pulis and no. Steve McLaren. You know, I'd I'd rather go and watch something at Thompson <laughs> Park. You know, they just. Uh, I did. Tony Pulis was never non- was I never started for me. But you, we're talking about somebody's got to come in as a head coach. He's pretty much old school manager where he likes to run things from top to bottom. I just couldn't see that working at all. McLaren, though. He likes to play from top to uh, yeah. bottom to top. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I don't think McLaren will be even on the shortlist, but he's a man who has wo- like worked in Europe. 
So he's well, got he, he experience, was one who, hasn't he? He, he worked his way up through coaching, didn't yeah. he? He was another well, one. He had Derby playing good football. He, he had speaks Manu playing loads good of languages as well, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not intentionally, <laughs> obvious, but he's macking one. Yeah, yeah. Having for me since having covered Middlesbrough for three seasons when there. Uh, when Steve McLaren uh, took over, uh, <laughs> thanks but no thanks. No. <laughs> so go. what was the issues of Middlesbrough then that made you think that? Just, yeah, I think he was, he, everybody said that he was a very good coach, and the guy probably is, but he was a very, very lucky manager. I, I, some of the stuff that you know they were getting away with was results, and you thought this, they were absolutely battered in that game, and, and he had his sort of... He's number two, his head on show was a um, sports psychiatrist who had them coming out speaking the same <laughs> nonsense after every game. And I, I remember watching one game down at Fulham and they got absolutely battered by Fulham, but won one nil. I mean, Fulham just like should have won about 7 1. And then I interviewed McLaren after the game, I interviewed Southgate and we played it back and it was virtually word for word. Bill had already obviously coached them well in the. Uh, <laughs> And Bill Bezik had obviously coached them well in the changing rooms before they come out because he was literally just like playing the same interview back to back. So it's a normal to McLaren then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> not for, not, certainly not for me. Emphatically, emphatically yeah. said. I wasn't being too yeah. serious. But um, Craig, you, you, I can't remember the names now on, on when we were all asked to do something for Rock Report. Oh, yeah. You you mentioned a couple of random names. I can't well, remember who they were. Who I, were they? I was sort of making a point by selecting random names mm. in a way because the point I was trying to make is not necessarily these three. I don't know about, enough about their characters and how they would work with this group. The point is, though, there's a world of managers out there that doesn't have to be the same old mm-hmm. Premier League, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. You can take a chance. Swansea did with Loudrup. It, I can remember myself thinking, yeah, I don't think this is going to work for them. Mm-hmm. How wrong was I? Pochettino at Southampton, how many of us knew who yeah. he was and how many of us expected him to do quite so well as he has done it's a feeling of security almost Gareth isn't it because you know initially you think okay right we're bottom of the league and sometimes I think you instinctively think somebody with Premier League experience would steady the ship and yeah. someone like McLaren or Pulis probably would keep us up but you know if we're going to think long term exactly, if we're going to think long term make your eyes bleed watching yeah. it though <laughs> a, lo- a, lot of the, a lot of these like it's a lot of these people again who jobs for the boys did the did right I'm going to do a little mini rant now so all the people who've come out now and gone, oh, I told you so about Di Canio, all the people with no interest in football clubs, in Sunderland Football Club whatsoever, from the national media, who've got, you know, their summary of Sunderland written on a fag packet in the changing rooms before they go on and do the Soccer Saturday or whatever, right? And that's a fact. They don't know anything about Sunderland, they don't know anything what's going on, and you can see that. Then they all come out and decide that Di Canio's the worst manager, there's going to be horrific, and it turned out he was, but it's not for the reasons that they thought, it's because they were guessing, because they had no information whatsoever. And now they're all coming out and saying, oh, you need to go safe. P- you could do worse than Pulis. Where do you go from there? Where there's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, worse, he's gonna drop off. Though <laughs> that's what's gonna happen is, we get one of these safe managers, and then we, they come in, and then do okay, and then, you're back to and then you're back to square one, mm. because the results are gonna drop off eventually, and there's pressure's gonna be on, and you haven't, this revolution thing that people are talking about he's another all these De Canio miss well De Canio set this director of football system up no he didn't the director of system fo- system was going to be director of football system was going to be in place before De Canio got there mm-hmm. and De Canio was part of it De Canio is not the revolution yeah and, and by the way who's probably the other way around it's probably De Fanny who sort of yeah. mentioned De Canio to short rather than mm-hmm. De, De Canio to see and yeah. this is the interesting thing about the director of football position because 
he's not going to be the direct if we're going to have a director of football it's not going to be him all the time he's going to leave or he's going to get sacked and and that's what happens because it's a job and you look at it now he's made a bad decision mm-hmm. in pushing for the Canio and now he's pushing for Poirier and they're not they're not listening to him Short having second thoughts yeah, yeah, yeah short is having second thoughts isn't the thing, thing with Poirier is, is that I think they're a little bit disappointed that it's gone so public mm. and he's got his people to sort of leak mm. little bits out here and there, you know, that they were interested and, and they were speaking about keeping and things in house. It's not the best start, is it? Well, exactly. Mm. I think Poirier is absolutely desperate for the job. Mm. And he's he's got he's got these guys that are around him that are leaking little bits out here and it there to sort of get the drum roll going and sort of get the momentum going and the you know, the push push for Poirier sort of thing. But uh he's not too dissimilar. He does. He does. Does. Does play. He side did play a decent football at Brighton, but it's not too dissimilar to Paolo yeah. for me for like in a, terms of temperament. Much watered, I mean. watered down version, though. He, he doesn't yeah. sort oh, yeah. of. He doesn't. You know. He, he sits in the studio and has an intelligent conversation. Mm, could you could have you seen the Canio sitting no. in the match of the studio <laughs> and having an intelligent conversation? The, the point that crazy. Can, anybody, can you see anybody sitting in the match of the studio and having an intelligent conversation? Fair point. But the point that Craig made about sort of throwing names out there, but, you know, the Loudrups, the Pochettinos, and what have you, and we, or everybody keeps it. Oh, they want to go English. They want to go safe. They want to go English because people who know the Premier League and that and what have you. By the same token, if they do go abroad and and get a Pochettino or whatever, these fellows are more than likely to have worked with a director of football, so they are going to have more experience. There's, there's That's not many exactly English. It. There's not many English candidates or people from the English game who are going to have worked with a director of football and knows how that, that goes. That's so. my. That's one of my main top of the list requirements is that they know how the system works. They've been successful working within the system, and they're comfortable in it. That's more important so than Premier League experience. It's so important that is to me. Um, it's that's that would be my and I haven't got a name, mm. but like Craig demonstrated in his article, it doesn't take long to find some. I'd be tempted and to do research and go abroad. And if he can, if, if Tefanti can find Mavrias and he can find Cabral and he can find uh, Mover Carlson and Barr, who is playing in the second division in France, mm. he can find a manager who isn't do you just Poirier think, or, do you just sense or that, whatever. Do you just sense that if because Poirier wasn't a one of the Premier League all-time stars, he wouldn't even be getting considered now. Well, the, like um, Gary was saying, he, his team at Brighton did play. But if he was, called Bob, if he was called Bob Smith, for example, well, yeah, that's, would, would that's be, something would I thought about with with De Canio, if because there was still quite a lot of sort of love for him, if you oh, like, after right. his sacking. But if he was just Bob Smith, who would have cared mm-hmm. that this League One manager had been sacked from a Premier League club? And I do think you've got a point there about Poirier. He, his Brighton team they were quite slow paced and I was looking through some quotes about him and things he'd said and in 2011 he uh, wasn't having a great time in the championship with Brighton and he said if they don't like the tactics they can sack me Um, if these players can't do it you can get me some new players but I'm not going to change and I just thought that sounds very similar to Mm. the certain manager we've had very recently their their record Brighton's record as well didn't they have a if once they'd gone behind, I don't think they. I think you, something ridiculous like you only won one game mm. when they'd gone behind under Poirier, something uh, stupid like mm, that. Two of the points on Poirier, he actually worked and liked Dennis Wise, so that's that's a negative point <laughs> in my my book. And 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 another one that he's got, he'd probably want to bring that there, uh, Mauricio Tarico as his number yeah. two. 
And he was just a little cheat when he played, so yeah, he he was, know, I don't want him anywhere near my club. It's funny, there was a quote that said something like, Poy was like, all oh, the games played with one football, so use it. It's like, well, what about when we were on the break against Leeds at home that time and he kicked another one on the yeah, pitch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually remember I actually remember Graham Anderson done a piece after that saying how the difference between Poyer and Kane because Kane managed to sort of like level themselves and mm. adapt to the environment where Poyer would never make it as a manager so it would be a bit ironic now if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> would I yeah. remind Graham about yes. that when I see him yeah. if Gus does get the job don't show him that, that, that piece I'm of Graham's gonna, work I'm going to dig it out we are going to have to wrap things up um, because time's beat us again but um, predictions from people for Sunday Gareth you've looked at me so I'll start with you I'm going to say a narrow defeat unfortunately I'm not going to give a score but I think we'll probably get beaten because Liverpool are better than us but I like if we play with the fluidity it was on Tuesday we have got a chance and now I'd love it I'd love it for Kevin if we won you know he'd be absolutely delighted wouldn't he and we all would I'd be, be for him but no he would he'd be you know because it means so much to him and he'd mm. be full of pride you know so mm-hmm. Craig why not a draw 1-1 one, one. they're not scoring a lot but they're not conceding a lot mm-hmm. we've not really done anything obviously but mm-hmm. you know it's that's coming to an end I don't know just that kick you get from having a new man yeah. in charge the release <clears throat> I noticed he used quite a lot of the sort of old player, older players like from previous regimes yeah. if you like but you know there's still Premier League quality there if he goes with that again with the additions and like Key and Altador I think we can get a point out of the mm-hmm. game Gary uh, well, my heart says one nil, but I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go with uh, my heart. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm gonna see it a two-one defeat. I think Sturridge and I think the the biter is gonna cause us problems uh, at the back. So um, while they've got the cheat up front, he's a great player, but he is a cheat. So while they've got him up front, uh, they're always gonna cause his, us problems. His league would turn against us, isn't it? This yeah. thing, these things always happen to us. But I, again, I'm, I'm, my heart says one nil as well. We'll go grind a win out, but. I, I think one's each. I think one's each is, is okay. I, I do think I do think the players are going to add an extra, extra step to the uh, extra dimension of the game. Let's see, extra spring in the step. So they had it on Tuesday, so let's hope he continues that on. And, and if he wins, if he fingers if, crossed, if they have made that decision and he and he does win on Sunday. He's got every right to go well, and yeah, on the he, door. He's made it a lot more difficult you know, for them if you yeah. get a result and a performance out of them on Sunday. Mm. Be almost inclined to let him get on with it until he loses yeah. his first game and yeah. then bring somebody in, yeah. you? But uh, Poy is, and Poy has put him in a position and put himself in a position now where he's kind of putting the Sunderland board under pressure to make a decision mm. which it c- well, can't be good in that, his favour. Yeah, but th- that's the good thing, isn't it? If Ball does get a performance out of them on Sunday, gives the board a little more yeah. time, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. More you don't have to yeah. act. Yeah. Yeah. That was, they can go out and, and, and do due diligence and yeah. get whoever they want Here's give them up, give them up the Newcastle game because if you beat Newcastle it uh, gives you apparently mm. 11 games uh, leeway oh, and it? you become a legend <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you sacked him you beat Newcastle he yeah. yeah, didn't beat anyone else he is <laughs> hoping anyway and if we, do, if we don't get through the Liverpool game with a win we've got an easy game next week Man just United at home so, just uh, normal. Yeah. I like that we were focused <laughs> on Peterborough and not yeah. West Brom well <laughs> Well, that was, that, nice, that was one it? of the best things. We didn't have people didn't yeah, have to hear yeah. me talk about three man midfields, and we didn't have to go over the West Brom <laughs> thing. But I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Over and out. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 